already in our study of chapter 15 of John's Gospel, and we're headed there again this morning. If you want to go to John chapter 15, we've seen and heard Jesus command that his followers are to love one another. And now we come to verse 17 of John's Gospel in chapter 15. We come to verse 17, and the command is repeated. We find it again, obviously, when there's this repetition of commands by Jesus, especially in such close proximity, obviously this is important, right? We noted this, we've noted this recently, that again and again in God's Word we find this repeated command, love one another, love one another. Very important. And it's certainly for our good that we obey this command, truly loving one another as as Christ loved the church, reminds Ephesians 5.25, and gave himself up for her, right? We're to love each other in this way. And Jesus commands it. And again, we hear it this morning. And there's, there's another reason I see here in the text that we're going to look at here in just a moment. There's another reason for the importance of this command to love one another, and I want you to see it today. It has to do with the strength. It has to do with the encouragement that faithful followers of Christ are going to need You're going to need strength. You're going to need encouragement that you receive as others love you in Jesus Christ and as you love others in Jesus Christ. This reason that we need to do this, this reason we need to obey this command to love one another, I think it's seen clearly here in this need that we're going to have for strength and and encouragement that faithful followers of Christ are going to need as they live and love for God's glory as they live in this world. And I guess the question is this, and I think the text answers it, why is it? Why is it that the love of God's children for one another is so important? Why is it we we are to love one another? Why is this so important? Let's look at the text. Uh, John chapter 15 and verses 17 through 21. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So here we are again, verse 17. Jesus says here in verse 17, These things I command you so that, what? So that you will love one another. So why is the love of God's children for one another, why is the love of God's children for each other so important? The answer, I think, is revealed by way of a contrast here in the text. The contrast is the difference between the love God's children are to show for one another and show toward one another and the lack of love for God's children by the world. It's a sharp contrast. And if you know the Bible, you know that in Christ, if you are Christ, if you are a believer and follower of Christ, and in Christ, the victory is yours. We say we know the end of the story, right? And the victory is yours in Jesus Christ. But you also know by this passage and others like it that there is also, there is also trouble in this world that awaits the faithful follower of Christ. And the trouble we're talking about here 
is trouble in the variety of persecution. Persecution the believer will face for being faithful and being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are Christ's, if you are a follower of Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul, for forgiveness of sins, victory is yours in Christ. You can count on it. But also true is that if you are in Christ, if you are a faithful follower of Christ, persecution is also yours. You can count on that. We're going to hear both things to be true when we get to John chapter 16 and verse 33 where Jesus says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Why? He goes on to say, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, Jesus, and this is the victory that we have in Jesus Christ as his children, Jesus overcomes the world. And that's a good place for us to say, praise God, right? Jesus overcomes the world. That is, the world that is now under the control of the power of Satan. And though believers may be influenced by Satan, they are not under his control, okay? You are not, if you are a follower of Christ, under, under Satan's control. He may influence you and influence your thinking. And he knows about your actions. He knows how you act. He knows what you're tempted by and how you respond to things. And so he, he knows how to tempt you in ways, but he cannot control you. On the other hand, in the world in which we live, unbelievers are under the control of Satan, under the power of Satan. But that does not remove followers of Christ from the reality of persecution. You see, God's Word gives us hope and encouragement. And in Christ, we too have overcome the world, but we are not removed from the persecution of the world. Because so much of the world is under the control of Satan and his way of thinking, that is why the love we're to have for one another, I think, is so important. You see, because... We're not of the world. If you're of Christ, you're not of the world. And you will not find your hope and strength and encouragement from those who are not of Christ. But you will find your strength and encouragement to live faithfully day by day when you are encouraged by the love of God for you through the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And they will be encouraged by your love. So first of all, we're to love one another because we will not be loved by the world Listen, if you're hoping to gain approval from the world because of your faith in Christ, you're looking in the wrong place. If you're hoping to be encouraged by the world because you're a faithful follower of Christ, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, the world is going to hate you if you are a follower of Christ, especially if you are, are, are an obedient follower of Christ. Note, that, note what Jesus says here in verse 18. If the world hates you, Look at it. Verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Now, that if there, it might confuse you a little bit, but we really should read that as a because. It's almost like me saying, if it snows this winter, (laughs) if it snows this winter in northern Michigan, I know it hasn't snowed as much as normal, but if it snows this winter, we'll have to shovel the walk, right? Well, of course it's going to snow. Yeah, it's going to snow. You're going to have to shovel the walk. So you should see the if here is a because. Because it snows, we shovel, right? That's the idea in the original language. So the idea here is because the world hates you, 
So you need the commands of Christ and you need to obey them and you need to love one another because if you're a faithful follower of Christ, you are hated by the unbelieving world. Remember the control and the power of Satan at work in the minds of unbelievers who would oppose the work of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 19. Look at verse 19. If you were of the world, but you're not. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You see, the faithful and obedient follower of Christ is no longer what? No longer of this world. We're no longer of the world. You're no longer, and here's the idea, and we may be influenced in some ways, but we're not to be, we're not to be influenced and controlled by the world. We're not to be influenced and controlled by the world's way of doing business, Satan's way of doing business. We're not to be influenced and controlled by the way the world works and thinks. You no longer do business the way the world does business. And in some circles, that will cause hatred towards you. You now live for Christ, and because of this, the world hates you. You're not to be thinking like the world thinks. You're not to be thinking like, like the world influenced by Satan thinks. You'll be thinking like Christ and serving and ministering like Christ. So love one another because your brother and sister in Christ are going to need the encouragement that you will give them when you love them as Christ has loved you. And you're going to need the love of your brother and sister in Christ when you're facing trials and tribulation and persecution because of your faithful obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's not all we see here in verse 18, Jesus reminds us that we can't expect to be treated any better than he was treated. You can't expect to be treated any better than Jesus Christ was treated. Look at verse 18 again. So he says here, verse 18, know that it has, know that it has hated me before it hated you. The servant is not better than his master. You shouldn't expect better treatment than I received. And then in verse 20, he says, remember the world uh, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they haven't. They don't. Because they're controlled and influenced by the power of Satan. Not the mind of Christ. An unbeliever cannot be influenced by by Christ's will he, because he's influenced by the 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 the, uh, the power of Satan. So listen, believer. Listen, beloved. We need to get this uh, straight in our hearts and minds. We need to get this uh, conviction in our hearts that we need to learn to love one another because it's necessary. We need the strength that we gain when we gather together and we encourage. That's why we gather on Sundays. We gather to worship. We gather to come together to lift our voices in song and worship. Yes, and that's one of the things that we can do in unison as we sing together. You know what we also ought to do in unison? We ought to love each other. Because we need the strength that God's going to provide as we faithfully obey Him and His commands and show love to one another. Love one another because you can't expect to escape persecution from the world if you are truly obedient and faithful to God's Word. If you are truly and faithful and obedient... You're going to be an enemy to the world. You see, Christ was obedient in all things to the Father. Did Jesus do anything that deserved to be, he deserved to be crucified for? 
Can you think of something that he deserved to be crucified for? We can't think of anything that he deserved to be crucified for. He did only good. Right? What did Jesus do when he lived here on earth? He went around and he healed people. He told people the truth. He preached and spread the truth. And he healed and he fed. Right? He gave sight to the blind. Hearing to the deaf. Speech to the dumb. Right? He, he healed. He did only good. And in all things, Jesus was obedient to the Father. And it was the Father's will for the Son to be crucified that sinners might be forgiven their sins and saved and kept by Christ for all eternity. And those who are obedient to Christ will also face persecution, just as Jesus faced persecution. Are you doing something wrong by being a follower of Christ? Absolutely not. The world hated Christ. And the world will hate his followers. And this persecution is not just a mild dislike either. This is hatred. The world hated the crucified Christ. And because the world hates Christ, it will also hate those who bear the image of Christ. Don't tell me that the world doesn't hate Christians. Because the only thing that's politically correct in our society today is for Christians to be ridiculed and made fun of. And every other religion is safe ground. Right? So it's very clear, very true that the world hates Christ. The devil is at work to defeat the Lord Jesus Christ. Working in the, in the hearts and minds and souls of those who are disobedient to Christ. So this is not a mild dislike. This is a hatred. And the world will hate those who identify themselves with Christ by their obedience. You see, the world's okay with you being a Christian. Because there are a lot of Christians in this world in which we live. But there aren't as many who are Christians who are obedient to the commands of Christ. And if you set yourself apart in that way, you will find very quickly that you are hated as Jesus was hated. So Jesus says, here's what Jesus says, because of this, love one another. This is my command. This is necessary. I'm teaching you things because of this teaching you, I'm commanding you to love one another because of this. And you're going to need the love of your siblings in Christ, and they are going to need your obedient love. Because you will not be treated well by the world, and as you are persecuted, you're going to need the encouragement and strength of one another as you wait patiently for the Lord to do the work that he is doing. That's why Jesus gives this reminder in verse 21, look at it again, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. So, obedient follower of Christ, don't think it's strange that you are hated by the world. It's Jesus they really hate. And it's those that represent him they persecute because of their hatred for Christ. So how should we respond when persecuted? How should we, how should we respond when we receive persecution for our faith in Jesus Christ? And, and this is something we're going to go into more detail on tonight and talk about how to respond when persecuted. But I, but I want to briefly think about it this morning before we come together to the Lord's Supper. 
How do we respond? And I think it helps to think about how did Jesus respond, right? But how do we respond when we're persecuted? First, I think the point Jesus makes here in verse 17, if you go back to verse 17, it needs our full attention. These things I command you, says Jesus, so that you will love one another. And then he proceeds to talk about persecution. So how should we respond when persecuted? First, we ought to be certain that we aren't neglecting the command of Christ to love one another. Do all you can do. Do more than you can do. Be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we go back and we say, like we did last time, this love that we're talking about that Jesus commands is not based on feelings. And so we go beyond what we feel like doing and we take steps of obedience to love one another. So be certain you're not neglecting the command of Christ to love one another. Don't make excuses for not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ because you're going to have plenty of them, right? We have lots of reasons for not loving one another, but Jesus took them all away. And he says, I command you to love one another. He didn't say if. He said, command. I command you, love one another. So if you're being persecuted, you're going to need the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the the beauty of God's design for the church. This is why Jesus made the church. This is why he brought us together as a church, because we need each other. And we need to obey God in this command because we're going to need the encouragement and strength that we receive from our brothers and sisters in Christ when we are opposed by those who are of the world. You see, you don't suffer alone. You are not the only one who's persecuted for the sake of Christ. And you may need to model the love of Christ You may need to to show the love of Christ to others so that they learn too. Yeah, you know, that's, they love me. And I, and I realize I don't deserve to be loved. I'm not treating them with the love that I should show them. And so you may need to model that kind of love for other believers so that others are encouraged to also love one another. Be faithful to God's command. Be faithful to the command of Christ. Don't look around and say, but they're not. Right? Love one another. Be certain that you aren't neglecting the command of Christ to love one another. That's how you respond to persecution to begin with. Note, too, that your response to persecution can and should be one of rejoicing. (laughs) Sounds a little difficult, doesn't it? Rejoice that I'm persecuted? Well, it's what Jesus said. Okay, I'm just, you know. That's what Jesus said. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. That's important because somebody might ridicule us for good reason. (laughs) But if they ridicule us for false reasons because we're just being obedient to the commands of Christ, uh, on his account, verse 12, Matthew 5, Rejoice and be glad. Well, how can I do that? Well, Because as Jesus says, for your reward is great in heaven. It's not all about here on earth, okay? Your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are not alone if you are faithful to the commands of Christ. And you are persecuted because you are faithful. You are not alone. And you have reason to rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. No, joy in the midst of persecution may not be your natural disposition, right? That may not be what we naturally inclined to do. Well, thank the Lord for this persecution. 
But we go back to the Word, don't we? And that's why we need to be back there often. So that when we come to this, we go, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be thankful for this. And I remember, oh, wait, I'm not, it's not about earthly reward, is it? It's about modeling obedience to Jesus Christ and taking steps of obedience and loving others as Christ loved me and loved the church. And, and, I, and now I can identify with Christ because I'm being persecuted. He was persecuted. And my reward in heaven is great because I'm being obedient to the commands of Christ. I don't need praise and adulation here on earth because, because I'm going to receive reward in heaven because I'm being faithful and obedient now for the glory of God and praise of Jesus Christ. No joy is not our natural inclination in the midst of persecution, but our joyful and content attitude and our peace can be ours when, when we're persecuted on account of Christ. When we look at our life and say, I don't, I don't see, I'm, I'm asking God to reveal to me if I've done something that deserves this persecution, but I don't see it because I'm being obedient to Christ. I believe that's why I'm being persecuted. Now I can rejoice, knowing that I'm identifying with Christ in this way. And he rewards those who are faithful to him. Rejoice that you're in Christ, that you are seen as belonging to Christ by others, and that your reward is in heaven is great. So check your life, you know, and look and see, am I being, am I neglecting my responsibility, the command of Christ to love one another? And am I rejoicing that I'm being able to identify with Jesus in this way? I'm able to say, I'm, I'm Christ. I'm being persecuted for Christ's likeness because of Christ, not because of me, not because they hate me, but because they, they hate the one who saved me from my sin. So your response to persecution should, should be one of love for one another, one of rejoicing, and your response to persecution should also be one of prayer for and love toward those who persecute you. Again, not um, not likely to be the natural inclination or response, right? Oh, well, thanks for that um, persecution. I'm going to love you. <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew 5.44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Also the command of Christ, Right? We hear it also in Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. So when we're persecuted, because we're being obedient, faithfully obeying Christ, pray for those who persecute you. You know why you ought to pray for them? Because you're like Paul, who was formerly Saul. He was a Christian persecutor. And Jesus saved him. Guess what? If you're Christ, you were once a persecutor of Christians. And Jesus saved you in spite of yourself. So when you're persecuted, remember to pray for those who persecute you that they might be saved. That Jesus might break through the stony heart of theirs and open their blind eyes to see the truth and, and believe in Jesus Christ and be forgiven their sins. You see, when persecuted, follow the example of Christ. Accept the persecution that identifies you as a child of God. Don't rebel against that persecution that identifies you as God's child. Because you don't return evil treatment for evil treatment. You most faithfully share, and when you do that, you most faithfully share the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of it. 
Because the world's way is what? When I'm evilly treated, I return evil. But that's not the way of Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ and you're mistreated because you're a follower of Christ and you don't return evil for evil, that is a powerful, powerful witness to the love of Christ at work in you. You see, when Jesus was persecuted, he did not lash out, did he? Oh, remember he put the ear back on the soldier's head, (laughs) right? He didn't lash out at those who persecuted and even crucified him, but rather, what did Jesus do? Luke 23 and verse 34, in the words of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, how opposite this is to our natural way of thinking. How out of place this seems, this kind of humble response to persecution in this world in which we live. God, I pray that you would help us to rejoice that we can identify with Jesus Christ in the midst of persecution, in the midst of suffering. As we obey, as we take steps of obedience and honor you and honor your Son, Jesus Christ, and we face persecution because of Christ, help us to rejoice that we are identified as Christ's. Help us to love one another. Help us to show the love that you you show us, that we ought to love one another as we build up and encourage and strengthen one another in the church and, and we prepare ourselves for what we know is going to come as we faithfully obey the commands of Christ. And God, help us to honor you and glorify you in this way so that the world that would persecute believers might see clearly the love of Christ, might understand clearly the truths of the gospel, might turn from their wicked ways and repent, believing in Jesus Christ for salvation. God, I pray, grow your church in this way. Mature us in this way. Help us to learn to love one another. For your honor and for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ, for our sake, was persecuted. He suffered. He died. Jesus Christ took on himself the punishment for our sins. We're reminded of those truths as we we prepare ourselves for the Lord's Supper. And as we prepare ourselves, I want to share with you these, just the first few verses of Ephesians 2, which these, these are powerful reminders of God's mercy and grace on us. Powerful reminders of the precious gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and because of his death for us on the cross. Listen to these verses from Ephesians 2. And you, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 